The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Daughter Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, May 14th, the make-believe murder edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm mom to three boys, Henry, eight, Oliver, who's now six, and Teddy, three. And I'm located in Navarre, Florida. I'm Jamila Lemieux. I'm a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is seven, and we live in Los Angeles, California. I'm Dan Coyce. I'm a writer for Slate, except for I'm off on FMLA leave this month. Uh, also, I'm the dad of Lyra, who's 15, and Harper, who's 12. We're all sheltered in place in Arlington, Virginia. This week, we're debating make-believe murder. What do you do about pretend play that turns pretend violent? Is that play normalizing violence or just innocent? For our All Ages Everyone is Fighting Now segment, we are going to be doing a massive game recommendation session. Is your family sick of the games in your house? Need some new ideas? Are you looking for single player games? What about games for sneaky learning? We'll have a game rack for you. We'll put a timestamp in the show notes so families can find this segment. And as always, we'll have triumphs and fails and recommendations. Jamila, do you have a triumph or fail for us this week? I have a triumph for us. So I've been working out for over a month. That is my triumph. I'm very excited about this. I had been doing yoga once or twice a week before the shelter in place at a yoga studio. There was one that I go to with the homeboy and another one that I was going to with Naeem. I was becoming very L.A., and I joined a gym, only had a chance to go once before everything. Well, that I, I can't blame COVID for it because I joined the gym uh, on January 15th and had not been back. But I had every intention. You only had one chance. I had, yeah, I only had one chance to go. But I had every intention of going on a regular basis. But I was being really good about my yoga classes. And then that was taken away from me. And the first few weeks that we were in the house, I just did not have the motivation to work out. And one day it finally found me. And so I work out at least every other day and I work out for at least an hour. So these aren't like my phoning it in, doing 30 minutes of cardio just to say I did something, which is not a bad thing, but I am capable of doing a lot more than 30 minutes of cardio. And I feel so much better. And the little bit of quarantine weight that I was starting to pick up has disappeared and I'm seeing some changes in my body and Naima works out with me some days. We've even found, for anyone who's struggling to get fitness into or back into their lives right now, if you like to dance, not necessarily if you're a good dancer, but if you enjoy dancing, I'm not the best dancer. I'm probably better than most of you all, but that's because I'm black. But as far as black people go, I'm not a great dancer at all. But I enjoy dancing, and I've been doing dance fitness. And I always thought that was something that was super cheesy, and I had taken a class back in Brooklyn that I liked, and something told me to just look up dance workout videos. So my favorite YouTube dance fitness, and she doesn't just do dance fitness. She's also got videos about weight loss and diet and nutrition. If you're into that thing, I haven't gone that far yet. I'm just trying to dance it all off. Her name is Fit Body by Ashley. You can follow her on Instagram at Fit Body by Ashley. And what I love so much about her videos, first of all, she has the most positive energy. She only talks at the beginning and sometimes at the end. Like during the routine, you hear the music and you just see her face. And yet, without saying a word, I feel so encouraged and so capable. Like, she does this thing where she, like, draws her mouth into a smile, you know? And it's so (laughs) sweet. And when I feel like, okay, I'm getting tired, I don't know if I can finish this, 
she it's like she just knows and she'll put something on the screen like almost there you got it and at the end she just makes you feel so good and capable and confident and all that stuff and her dance routines are really a lot of fun and they're not terribly difficult and in addition to fit body by ashley i found a number of random youtube creators that have dance fitness routines to various bobby brown and new edition songs which naima loves so we're learning the choreography to the every little step video by bobby brown <laughs> we're learning uh if it isn't love so it's been a lot of fun and because it's dance and you know and i'm doing other ones too like strength training like 10 minute arms 10 minute abs 10 minute button glutes etc but the dance videos are great for naima so if you're looking for something that you can do when your kid is either halfway engaged or fully engaged and they like to dance, then I would consider giving that a try. There's a Beyonce one that we do by Fit Body by Ashley and Naima, who doesn't always have the patience to follow the steps along with the instructor, with the instructor rather. The game we like to play is that she's Beyonce and I am her backup dancers. And so I'm <laughs> learning how to backup dance. And so she does her own thing, kind of like, you know, in the front. She of course, right. Because she is Beyonce. And she turns around from time to time to check in and make sure I'm not doing too bad. And we dance together. That's actually a great structure to get your kid to do something with you is be like, you're you're the famous person. Yes. I'm your support. Yes. You make sure I do it right. <laughs> and the That's whole time. That's yeah, the dynamic exactly. in our house. <laughs> <laughs> that is how I parent. You're the famous yeah. person. I'm support. Right. That's good. That's good. That's awesome. That's inspiring. That's extremely inspiring. So inspiring that I'm going to discard the fail I was about to present today <laughs> and just talk about uh, my triumph, which is that in the month of April, I set up uh, an April fitness challenge with a bunch of neighbors where we just have like a very complicated Google spreadsheet and you get points every day for you know, doing 100 sit-ups or doing 50 push-ups or walking 12,000 steps or eating healthy according to your own definition or eating two fruits and vegetables a day or whatever. There's like different tiers, different ways you can get points. I mean, it gets harder over the course of the month. And so there are probably eight or nine of us doing this challenge in the neighborhood. And in the month of April, I won the challenge by one point Yay! over my neighbor, Kevin, who was furious that he lost <laughs> by one point. And so we're now continuing it into May. We've added some different things. There's now like social distancing benchmarks. Like, did you go a whole day without coming within six feet of anyone who you don't live with? Did you read a book today? Did you talk on the phone to someone who you don't live with, who you miss, oh, nice. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We also have meditation benchmarks. You also can do yoga or strength training or fitness videos, which we have discovered the yoga videos are a great thing to do with our kids. This has been really helpful. Unlike Jamila, I look exactly the same. There's no discernible difference in my body in any way, shape, or form. However, I'm certain that my core strength has been just incredibly augmented by this. So I could lift a car at this point, probably, because of all the sit-ups. But anyways, I was very proud. Because, you know, I, I never join a gym because gyms drive me crazy. And repetitive exercise, I hate. The only exercise I am, like, capable of doing is playing sports, playing basketball or playing soccer or playing tennis or whatever. Now, all that shit is off the table. So I was trying to figure out how the hell I was going to not just be incredibly unhealthy all the time for the coming seven to eight years of coronavirus quarantine. And so this has really helped. It turns out, once again, gamifying triumphs and my desire to defeat my, <laughs> my uh, neighbors 
has overtaken my usual lethargy. The prize for winning April is supposed to be that everyone has to put a sign up in their window that says, Dan defeated me. (laughs) So far, no one has done that, but they all promised they will. I like this since you couldn't win games against your children. You just broadened the group. (laughs) Actually, I have an update to that. On our third round through the game board, tallying our points in every game that we play with the kids, I finally won the third round, which is a little embarrassing, but not as embarrassing as the as the fact that Alia hasn't won yeah. yet. <laughs> That's the saving grace for you, right? Right, right. Well, why both of you are getting healthy, I'm going to tell a story about cake. It was Oliver's birthday. This is a win. So we usually don't do like parties. We tend to do like an experience or try to go somewhere. And Oliver, who is our middle child, is turning six. And he is just like our introvert. But he had come up with this whole list of things that he wanted to do for his sixth birthday. And like the top of the list was go to Disney Then it was like, I want to stay at a hotel with mom. I want to do all this stuff. And we had sort of said to him, I'm not sure any of this is going to work out. This is before COVID. Mm -hmm. And then Henry had a medical appointment scheduled in Orlando for the week of Oliver's birthday. And so Jeff and I thought we might be able to make this work to like have Oliver and I go to Disney. Thank God we didn't tell him because, of course, all of that (laughs) came (laughs) crashing to halt. And literally everything on his list that he was completely Mm -hmm. just not doable, except that like plan W was that he wanted a pink pig unicorn cake and party with his family. And so I was like, okay, we can make a pig pink unicorn cake work. So Jeff baked cake and I crafted a unicorn horn headband and I ordered a pig nose from Amazon and I stuck it onto the cake and I will post a picture of this adorably cute, weird cake. And he wore the little nose the whole time he ate because it was a little plastic nose that came off the cake while he oh. ate the cake. And I found a pink pinata, pig pinata, and Jeff strung it up in the front of our house. And I let him just like go to town on this pinata full of just crap from our house. And he thought it was amazing. And the only weird part was that we did the pinata about the time that everyone was out for like their Mother's Day walks. And since Oliver does not like any kind of birthday, like he doesn't really want anyone to know it's his birthday other than us, I'm pretty sure that about half the neighborhood thinks that like our Mother's Day tradition is to like hang a big big pinata and just let the kids like wail on it. I mean, literally, we just like stuffed pens and reusable straws and stuff into the pinata. And then as it fell down, they just all claimed the stuff. I don't know. But it was a huge win. He was very happy. I feel successful that we had a pink pig unicorn cake yeah that's not the kind of thing you can google and be like oh great allison yeah. Has a recipe <laughs> yeah no no and he you know and i asked him to draw me a picture and it was very like amorphous and mm. not but he said it was exactly what he was picturing so i'm thankful for that well don't tell oliver i say happy birthday. yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> and also i actually think that thank god we didn't tell them should be everyone's motto for summer 2020 yeah. <laughs> Like oh, the number man. of things that we're just skating by on because they didn't know the amazing plans that we had is exactly. remarkable. I had been pricing tickets to Paris for months. And I'd gone back and forth. I At one point, I was pricing the ticket just for myself. And then I was like, you know, Naima has a passport. She might like that. And um, I'd even bought her a book about a little, I forgot who it was, some little black girl in Paris. And I thought we were going to go to Paris for a week because its prices had gotten pretty low. Thank God, God you didn't, you tell, didn't her. tell her. I did not tell exactly. her. 
All right. Well, before we move on, I think Jamila and I need to update you on the car buying situation. <laughs> yes, please. How's it going? It is going. I reached out to Elizabeth. I didn't reach out until yesterday. But she had clearly done her research. I would say the email was very well thought out and researched. So she's been thinking about it. Definitely credit for that. Uh Yes, yes. I didn't want to show up ill prepared. I thought my instructions were that you were to have bought a car by She's close. She's close. No, I said I would buy buy one within, I think, She said a fortnight. A month. A fortnight. A Mm. fortnight. Yes. Mm. So I'm halfway there. All right. So Uh, you sent an email to Elizabeth. I sent an email with a couple of links to two Mustangs that I loved, including one that was like a green, like, oh, it's like a pea green 2005 convertible. I loved it so much. If Jamila was on that like comedians and cars you know show this is what she would have been picked up in like this would definitely be the the car like and I sent it to a few people and everybody was like oh that's you (laughs) like even if they were like I wouldn't go with a car that old I wouldn't go with a car that many miles they were like okay but look at it's literally you and I've rented a a Mustang for the weekend I use this service called get around um it's pretty cool it's kind of like zip car it's actually kind of like Airbnb for cars so you own a car that's in good shape and you want to make some extra money, you park it, you know, somewhere folks can access it and they can rent it for hours or days at a time. And then they just drop it back off. It's no contact. So I did that because I had a doctor's appointment on Friday and I was like, okay, well, I'll do my groceries for the month. And, you know, I was like, okay, maybe I can actually go look at a car since I, you know, I have a car (laughs) right now. And this is the thing I actually have to, I know like, Buying a car right now feels crazy, but it's, and I wish that, you know, if I were trying to spend a little bit more money, I could do this totally, like, it'd be easier to just have one dropped off here and it's no big deal, but I need to kind of, you know, see these in person and know that I'm getting something that'll last me at least uh, six months to a year, if not longer. And so I, I picked out another Mustang in 2014 and it was a really reasonable price and I took it for a test drive yesterday and I sent a link to Elizabeth and Jeff responded with a very comprehensive, very well thought out, very, I could, I could hear the, like, I want to tell her not to buy this old ass car, but he's very concerned. He's very good. He was very engineer about it. And I did ask him, I said, don't send the email till I can read. (laughs) But uh, it was, he just, yeah, yes, very polite. Yes, he just wanted to make sure she's in a she's in a good car. And he also, because Jamila had sent her email, like, I think I can do this. So he was also like, you can do this, but I'm also here for you. And I'm going to, I think yes. the end was very, like, sales pitchy. He was like, I'm going to make sure you're in a car that you love. <laughs> Borderline used car salesman. <laughs> yes. It was awesome. It was awesome. So I'm, I'm happy to uh, have the two of you all to send um, my, my car uh, choices to in the next week because I am going to try to make dance deadline. I needed somebody and I had a guy, you know, a guy friend who I've been sending links to and he finally, he said finally, so when are you just going to pick one? I was like, <laughs> yeah. okay, so yeah, this is a good, this is, he's, he's raising a good point, which is I've been doing this for months now. So um, it's just time to buy one. All right, this is a great update, but next week I want my update to come with a side order of Jamila and Jeff from across the country calling a car place together and posing as personal assistants yeah, and, boss. and yeah. superstars. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. the Naima Jamila oh, yeah. experience. She's yeah. a backup but dancer with, to 
Right. Yeah. No, no. Jeff is yeah, the bad exactly. guy answer exactly. to Jamila. Exactly. Yes. And he's we'll calling to make this card. This is what I want out of my dispatch next week. So please deliver. <laughs> this is us. what we'll do. We'll see what this we can do. We'll do. We just want Jamila to get right. a car. Yes, Jamila just wants a car. I just want to hear a great yeah. story. Yeah. Yes, it would also be great. <laughs> yeah, we, we hope it ends in getting Hopefully a car. Hopefully it ends in getting a car. All right. Well, those are our updates. So before we move on, let's do the business. Slate's parenting newsletter is the best place to be notified about all our parenting content, including mom and dad are fighting, care and feeding, and much more. Sign up at slate.com slash parenting email. And check us out on Facebook. Just search for Slate Parenting. It's a really fun, active community. Plus, we moderate it so it doesn't get out of control. Also on Facebook, every Tuesday at 11 Eastern, we have a live Karen feeding show with Nicole Cliff. To catch it live, go to Slate's Facebook page or find previous episodes on Slate's YouTube page. In Slate Plus today, Heather Schwedell is joining us to talk about the baby name that stumped the world. Here's a quick sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. On the scale of wild baby celebrity names, is this... The greatest ever? The greatest ever. It either is or it's broken that scale entirely. (laughs) (laughs) To hear segments like that and to get ad-free podcasting, sign up for Slate Plus. It's just $35 for your first year. As you may know, a lot of media companies are struggling right now, and Slate is no exception. So now more than ever, we really appreciate your direct support for all of Slate's entertaining content and important journalism. Besides ad-free podcasts, Slate Plus members won't hit a paywall on the site, so you can enjoy all of Slate's journalism without worrying if you've reached your article limit. So if you'd like to support Mom and Dad Are Fighting, go to slate.com slash plus and join Slate Plus today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Okay, on to this week's listener question, which we snatched from Facebook. It's being read by the fabulous Shasha Leonard. Hey, mom and dad are fighting. Do you let your kids pretend to kill things? My kids are four and five. Twice in the last two days, my kids' fantasy play has involved murder. It is disturbing me. My instinct, which I've followed, is to stop violent pretend games. 
but I'm able to imagine how this kind of fantasy could be healthy. Please weigh in. I totally understand your instinct, your impulse. Like it, it just always drives me crazy. It drove me crazy when my kids were littler and they would all of a sudden be pretending to play with guns or like, you know, talking about how they're killing each other, or beating each other up or, or beating up bad guys even would just like give me this like ugh, feeling of, ugh, I, that's not the, the human beings I want them to be. But this is the rare case where I am going to urge you to go against your instinct a little bit to sort of find a way to get past that initial you feel about this, because in general, behavioral experts agree that kids that age who enact violence and fantasy play, it's not really about violence. It's about exploring the parameters of power by essentially powerless people, right? Your kids don't really feel like they have this much power and they're starting to understand how power works in the world. And pretend play, even that doesn't involve violence, often is about establishing who has the right to tell who what to do, who is the boss, who isn't the boss. And usually the kinds of enacted violence and pretend play are about that. It's developmentally very normal and very beneficial, I think, for those kids. It's also very hard to get them to stop and it's hard to get them to stop in a way that doesn't just involve making them feel ashamed or bad about what they're doing and like forcing it underground the way that all behavior that kids sort of just instinctively want to do you know descends underground when you try and make it stop so you know i think we, there are more things to talk about around this and i'd love to hear what you guys have to say but my basic answer is let them explore this and look at it and watch it and think about how it's working as you think about how you feel about it. But what do you guys think? I typically, you know, there are some movies and TV shows that Naima's seen where death is involved. And she has a pretty outsized reaction at times to violence and, and occasionally adult language, which is interesting because she's also tried to dabble in using adult language. But um, she doesn't enjoy hearing me say it she doesn't like seeing it on tv and when people die or are killed in movies she tends to be very turned off so like we watched dream girls and as much as she liked it she was so saddened by james thunder early dying that you know she said i didn't really like that movie even though she has mm -hmm. requested to watch it many times since but her initial review was it was sad i'm like but it ended on this really happy note she's like yeah but he died and so with that, we haven't had to deal too much with her wanting to do violent play, but as a rule, I do avoid it. Uh, I've not allowed her to have any gun toys. Kind of struggled a little bit with water guns because they were one of my favorite toys growing up, and I really do enjoy using them, and especially on a hot day, they can be a lot of fun, but I decided that like any, um, and the same seems to go for her father's house, that we can do a water toy that does not resemble an actual weapon, but we're not doing anything that actually looks like a gun. So personally, I think the world is very violent. I think there's a lot of violence that kids are going to encounter in a number of ways, especially if you allow them to watch the news. And so I myself, we just don't play that. You know, like she, she'll point a finger at me or something or pretend to do some kind of killing thing, and I just shut it down immediately. So I think there is a safe and reasonable way to kind of work through these things but I just don't want to 
even with the idea that like not everybody's a good person and there are some people who if they died the world maybe would be a better place and I'm not gonna name any names but you know I'm sure we can all think of a few and I'm okay with her being aware of that but I just I don't want her playing at violence I don't want her to get that comfortable with it as a solution for anything so we have a lot of violent play there's three (laughs) boys and their friends are mostly boys Jeff and I just kind of decided on some like boundaries for which we wanted to enforce and that everything kind of outside of or I guess inside of those boundaries are fine um so like we don't allow any playing of guns especially I mean we've talked about guns on this show before and our kind of handling of that and so anytime I see any like stick finger whatever that's just a hard line and we've talked with the kids about why that is because it is just such an impersonal way to kill someone is it fun to pretend that you have like sent something towards someone that could kill them? No. Um, Also, we talked a lot about like, trying to figure out what the scenario is in which they're playing this game. And I think that is through kind of like an open dialogue. So I try to be involved, even though I think I'm often kind of like a go play and I try not to be very involved in their play. I try to be around and I know what's going on. And I commonly ask like, oh, what's happening over here? Um, Because a lot of times it is stuff that is like they are a group looking for bad guys or looking for zombies or looking for whatever. And things like that, I think, are very, Dan, like you said, looking for power. And there are bad guys in the world and trying to kind of figure that out. But in general, I don't allow any of the like real people to be bad guys. I have just said, like, we are not fighting anyone else here. If they want to, like, sword fight with sticks, I try to suggest and now these have just be kind of come the rules of playing you know here at our house or or when I have people around of like well we can like train with our swords so we're like training you know which is more like a sport than necessarily pretending to kill someone but I, I do just think like if if you try to ban it then it becomes something they do when they're not there and in the world where we're back playing not at our homes, there's a lot of opportunity of things happening at other people's houses and play that is allowed there. And so I just try to provide some like boundaries and reasons behind those boundaries and then other suggestions um, of things we can do that are just as fun and maybe still are like aggressive and power play and we can take our sticks and like fight things in the trees and we're still like physically aggressing at things because that seems to be something um, my children need to do and seek a way to do that no matter you know, how I try. But I think in general, for us, at least shutting it down completely doesn't seem to work and also seems to just present kind of more problems of, well, this is something I want to do someplace else. So we've just tried to enforce some boundaries. And mostly, again, with the guns, it's something we just don't tolerate and have have explained that to the children over and over again. But the other things, I mean, there's tons of like wrestling and jumping on each other and things like that here. The other big thing is we talk about a lot is about like consent. Like I'll often see them in a pile in the yard and just yell like, is everybody, did everybody want to be doing this? Is everybody having fun? And as long as I sort of get thumbs up from everyone, I'm sort of like, all right, well, what are you going to do about it? I think that that's an important point and one that I think this letter writer should think about. When you're a parent, you sort of wonder, well, what is the line in our family? What are we going to deem okay? And what are we going to decide is not okay? And a great way to think about that in general is you're looking for play that is play. You're looking for play that is fun and fun for everyone. And some of that often has to do 
with consent, right? It's, is everyone into the thing that is happening right now? You're looking for with, you know, quote unquote violent play. What you're looking for is, is one kid always the aggressor and is the other kid always the victim? And does, does the other kid not like that role when they play with pretend guns, even if you are trying to rid them of that, are they in agreement about what the rules are? Are they in agreement about what's fun about it and what the task is? You know, this is something that we talk about a lot on this show, a way for your kids to cooperate against a bad guy, right? Is almost always going to be a, a better way and a more fun way to play than a battle between your kids or a violent altercation, even a quote unquote play violent altercation between those kids. But I just think trying to keep in mind that the goal of play is play. And even if it's not exactly recognizable to you, a grown adult as fun, if it's reading to your kids as fun and you know, when your kids are happy and enjoying things and when they're unhappy and not enjoying things, that is a useful way to think of that border. Yeah, like the thinking of it as play or keeping play play or keeping play fun. I try to discourage anything that's sad, you know, and, and sometimes Naima and like a lot of kids can come up with scenarios that are like rooted in some sort of sadness or tragedy, you know, and I, I try to pivot away from that. You know, the world is difficult enough, so when we're playing, let's play at something that's fun. So we're not reacting to some sort of awful tragedy, unless it's something perhaps that she comes up with that speaks to something she needs to work out. You know, so it's one thing if, you know, we've recently had to deal with the death of someone we know or a celebrity or, you know, something in the news and she wants to play it. You know, we play Barbies a lot. So if she wants to do some sort of scenario that involves funeral or people mourning, that's one thing. But if it's a matter of like, wouldn't it be funny to kill or wouldn't it be great if we were killing things? Then I use that as an opportunity to remind her that death is sad and complicated. And, you know, let's try to keep the games that we're playing fun. Yeah, I do think these scenarios like are good opportunities for discussion, too, because if you're sort of one foot into the play or even just like observing it, it's I find like the kids are willing to tell me all about the stuff that they were doing and they were pretending. And then to be able to help them unpack that is a good opportunity to like address some of these things. Like you said, like that this is, you know, death is sad and that's not necessarily something we want to be pretending. There are ways to do that that isn't like raining on their parade. And also that you can kind of shift the play and put ideas for next time. And I've certainly seen that like we've had a conversation and then the next time they go out to play, the game has turned to kind of some of the things we were talking about. Like, well, wouldn't it have been funny if like these bad guys like hit up in the trees or could have this power or something to kind of steer that to be something that they can play with. So good opportunity for discussion. All right. So listeners, if you'd like us to weigh in on your problems or questions, send it our way. Email us at momanddad at slate.com. Nickelodeon's got your preschoolers covered from sunrise to bedtime with four brand new podcasts. Grab their backpack and go on a culinary quest with Dora's Recipe for Adventure. Make game time great time with Let's Guess Who with Josh and Blue. And tuck in for adventure with Nickelodeon's Goodnight Bedtime Stories. Plus, we've got a brand new season of story time with Josh and Blue. Search Nickelodeon on your favorite podcast app to listen. All right, now it's time for our all ages segment, Everyone is Fighting Now. If your family is anything like ours, games have been in high demand these last few weeks. 
and it's getting to the point where you and your kids may have exhausted the games in your home. So we put out a call on Facebook for parents to send in their game requests, and we're going to give personalized game recommendations. To help us out, we are joined by a fellow game aficionado, Jessica Waldock, from the homeschool and parenting site, The Waldock Way. Jessica is one of my favorite homeschool resources. We use her Harry Potter curriculum as a basis for our homeschool, and one of its defining features is the inclusion of some amazing games that I had never heard of before. So welcome, Jessica. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Jessica, we're going to start with a few questions of our own before moving on to listener questions. Okay. Dan, do you want to get us started? Sure. All right. Here's a story with our family and our relationship with games. Our two kids are 12 and 15, and the 12-year-old will play nearly any game. She loves them all. She'll play anything, anytime. But the 15-year-old really likes cards. She will play Hearts or Oh Hell or Rummy. She likes the sort of the strategy that's involved in that. But she is not interested in a long, complicated game that takes like an hour, an hour and a half. So we've never been able to get her interested in Ticket to Ride or Settlers of Catan or anything that seems like long. She wants to be in and out in like half an hour. And so what I'm looking for is a game that has strategy and critical thinking and rewards that in the sort of cards mode, but doesn't have so much strategy that it takes forever. So one of our absolute favorite games, and I love it because it appeals to a very wide range of ages and people is Dragonwood. Because of the ages of your children, I would step it up to their newest release, which is Dragon Realm. So it has a card feature, but it's also going to have some other features with it. And it's going to give you that card-like feel, and it plays in less than 30 minutes. Dragon Realm, is it like sword and sorcery related in some way? It's more fun related. I mean, it has dragons in it and like <laughs> goblins and stuff, but it's not like D&D. It's not role-playing, if that's what you're asking. All right, Dragon Realm. Thank you. Great recommendation. We will look it up. I have a seven-year-old who also struggles with games that take a long time to play, <laughs> and she also doesn't like losing um, so most of the games that we play are typically imaginative, like we make up scenarios and we act them out. Uh, we tend to do more of that than we do board games. We do play Heads Up pretty often, as well as Uno. Last time we played Uno, I literally watched her give herself a good hand, and then she could not believe, like, my accusation <laughs> when I brought it to her. She, like, I had the worst possible hand of anybody, and she had, like, all... I told her, I would, I offered her my... I was like, Naima, I will give you $20 to show me your hand right now. And she was, like, stuck because it was like, whoa, $20. But then also, <laughs> she knows exactly what's in my hand. And I just took the cards because she hesitated. And it was like, I'll draw two. So is there a good game that <laughs> if it's not cheat proof, uh, at least it will be fun for us when she cheats. Okay. And we can talk about it and perhaps learn some sort of lesson about cheating, which she doesn't seem to want to learn right now. So first, because you said imaginative, I'm going to mention something. And mm. that is a D&D-like game. So it's role-playing, but it's for younger kids. And I'm talking like five and older. Mm -hmm. It's called Hero Kids. Mm -hmm. It's really, really great. It's role-playing. It's kind of what we started with my daughter, who was six at the time. So it gives you that role-playing scenarios. And because, like, my husband is the person setting it up, he can set it up in such a way that we're doing the same things, but maybe she's doing something a little easier than what I would be doing. So because you said imaginative, mm -hmm. that is something I would definitely suggest. 
There are also games that are called cooperative games. Now, a cooperative game means that you are all playing against the game. So let's say, for instance, there's a game called Race to the Treasure. The ogre is trying to beat you, and you and your child will be playing together against the ogre. So you either win together or you lose together. So you kind of, there would be no reason to cheat because you can't really set it up to cheat against the game itself. We play a cooperative game actually that is in Jessica's curriculum um, for herbology that is Wildcraft and everybody's racing together and all of my kids can play it. And I they do like want to have the urge to cheat and it's nice to be able to remind them like, hey, we all have to make it there and back before the sun sets or what, you know, whatever it is. Jamila, when my kids were at that extremely competitive hate to lose age, we did find cooperative games incredibly valuable to like get us through that period until they were able to deal with winning and losing a little bit better. Yeah. It's a really hard stage. I promise they get past it. Mine is about to be eight and we've just kind of exited it. So it's on the horizon. You're almost there. Get a couple good cooperative games just to get you over the edge. And hopefully, because <laughs> once they realize that you have to work together to win, it kind of changes the way they look at games. And they're less likely to cheat in those games when you're competing head to head later on. So, Jess, before we move to listener questions, um, I just want to ask you, like, what is your go to game for your family? Like, if you're just going to pick one up that everyone's going to enjoy Okay, so I'm going to have to name three because there's three of us and we each we each have a very distinctive favorite. And normally when we do family game nights, one of the ways we get around like making everybody happy is we all bring a game to the table. So like it's a family game night. We all bring a game to the table and it kind of makes it like, okay, maybe this isn't my favorite, but in a minute we're going to play a game I love and it makes it worth it. So hands down, my daughter's bringing Dragonwood to the table every single time. (laughs) she absolutely loves it I love that there's some sneaky math in it so she's always practicing math on that one so I have no problem playing it my husband will hands down pick Yahtzee every single day of the week no matter what like that is his favorite he loves that it's dice related he loves that you can play in a kind of a quick way and that there's a little bit of strategy but after you know like a long day's work it's not so much strategy that it's hurting his brain and then hands down my favorite is Oh, this is hard. It was Rummy Cube for the longest time. And now I'm really, really loving Quirkle lately. So I have that kind of tile. I love Quirkle too. Yeah. yeah. So one <laughs> of the two of those, like I bounce back and forth, but those are the four that are most frequently sitting on our game table. I believe Rummy Cube was a recommendation on the very first episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting. Thanks to Allison Benedict's Rummy Cube champion. Look at that. <laughs> okay, Jessica, now we have a voicemail question for you from Samuel. Hello, my name is Samuel, and we wanted to call in about your board games request. Uh, me and my sister, who is 13, love to play games. Uh, some of our favorite games are Quirkle, Scrabble, and a few card games like Rummy and Hearts. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Back to you guys in the show. Thanks. Okay, well, because he said Quirkle, I'm obviously going to recommend Rummy Cube, since those are kind of my two <laughs> favorites. I think they would really enjoy that one. Another one that plays kind of similar is going to be Blockus. Some people say Blocus. However you want to pronounce it, the play is the same. And there's a duo version because he said him and his sister. You can technically play with two players with the original. You would just play two colors. 
but they have a duo. So if you specifically are only going to be playing with two players frequently, I would just go ahead and get that one. It's easier. And then because of the card games he mentioned, I would say skip bow would be a really great option for them as well. We have Blackus like that. And I like that even the little kids can play, like even if they don't understand, they can put the pieces on, like understand that they only have to hit quarters. And it does actually still make the game even more challenging for the other players. Um, it does. So it's a nice family game. Yeah. Emily's been playing it since she was like four and she's like, oh, I'm just going to put it here. And I'd be like, oh, you just made that twice as hard for me. And yeah. she didn't mean to. <laughs> like she wasn't trying to strategize. It just happens. Yeah. I like that. It does seem like the three-year-old can play and actually like a lot of his plays make things harder for people. And so he likes that. Too. It's like he's playing without knowing. So yeah. I also love Blockus, but would caution that it is the world's easiest game to lose pieces from. Which then drives everyone completely insane. One thing I'd add for kids around these kids' age, Samuel sounded maybe even a little bit older than his sister. Las Vegas is a great game that sort of operates. It's not as spatial as those other games, but it's more about math and probability. And it's a dice rolling game with sort of a slightly uh, gambling-esque thing that I think teenagers sometimes find kind of fun and, and slightly dangerous. (laughs) Those are great recommendations. I would love to throw it to another one of our questions. I'm interested in this call from Sarah, whose daughter is playing pretty advanced games, and I'm curious what you think about their situation. Hi, my name is Sarah. I'm from Oakland, California, and I am looking for a personalized game recommendation. Uh, We have one nine-year-old daughter. My husband and I uh, enjoy playing Settlers of Catan with her, uh, also a few just basic board games. Um, I'm personally into role-playing games and a few card games, but um, that's about it. Do you have any recommendations? Okay, because they like Settlers of Catan, I would say Carcassonne would be another one that they would probably enjoy. It has kind of the same tile-laying, trading-type play. Stone Age is another really fun one that I really, really like. And then because she said she likes role-playing games, I'm going to mention Hero Kids again, if they're not ready to enter the world of d and I mean, obviously you can get like the starter D&D sets, um, but if they're not ready to start that with a nine-year-old, Hero Kids would be a great role-playing game to start with her. Okay, so we got some questions on Facebook. One from Diane that I thought was pretty interesting. We play games via Zoom with another family. So far, Family Feud and Battleship seem to work. Yahtzee was a little disjointed. We'd love more suggestions. The kids are 11 and 12. So this has actually come up a lot lately, especially since so many of us are stuck home and doing Zoom for everything. Some of our favorites have been Headbands has a really fun one. Uh, You could play Chess, Mastermind, Guess Who. And then you can do things like charades and hangman. I actually have an entire blog post over virtual gaming, and I have some free printables that go along with it, like for hangman. Yahtzee and quicks are also good ones. I know she said it's a little disjointed, but what makes it so great is if you're playing with people who maybe don't have a lot of games on hand, you can print one of those, you know, printable game sheets off, and all you need is a few dice. So it makes it easy to not have to, you know, own a game in both houses to still be able to play. Are there any online games that are playable via Zoom if you don't have like an Xbox? I mean, that's how long it's been since I've been around a gaming system. I'm like Xbox, right? That's the thing everyone plays. But are there any online games that you suggest that we could play household to household? Uh, One of our favorite is Words with Friends, which is essentially just Scrabble 
We also like, it's called Suro. It's spelled with a T in the beginning, T-S-U-R-O. They have the board game version, but you can play, um, I think it's an, plays as an app now actually. But that's really, really great for multiple players. You can play with up to four people on that one. There's also a website called boardgamearena.com that we've used um, to play board games with friends. Um, but that's all been adults. I didn't really think about it like with children. But for date nights with friends, we've just all logged online on our computer and played. The two that I would suggest, um, and we had another person who also asked about playing with grandparents, which maybe is a very, just a slightly different vibe than playing with other families with other kids. But there's a game we love to play at home called Codenames, which is just a fantastic game, party game that's great with adults, but also with older kids. Our kids really like it a lot. Codenames itself does not yet have a great online version, but they appear until possibly they hear this podcast and shut it down to have allowed a sort of a bootleg version of Codenames Online created by just a fan of the game that allows you to create your own game with someone far away from you on their own laptop. And then you can talk to each other via Zoom and use this page to play Codenames together. And uh, we'll put a link on the show page, but it's at horsepaste.com. Uh, and it's it's very, very good. We've played it with a bunch of friends. Um, and then for kids playing with grandparents, especially with littler kids, if you're looking for something that they can do easily, we've been playing a lot of cards online. And there's a great sort of old school web style site called cardsmania.com, C-A-R-D-Z mania.com, which just allows you to create little personal tables to play rummy or hearts or you know even for littler kids something like crazy eights with people far away and you can even turn on your webcam and see little versions of yourself around the table and um, we've been doing that a lot with kiki down in north carolina we've also played telestrations which dan you taught my family when you taught us we were playing on napkins and it was all very disorganized but we've just been doing it by text so we have a group text where we post the final answer, but someone um, texts someone something, that person draws it, texts it to someone else. So it kind of goes on all day. And every once in a while, we just get a picture of some ridiculous saying and some other ridiculous drawing. So that's so fun. Um, that's less of like a game night and more of just like a let's get through this COVID thing together. Apples to apples would work really similarly. If everybody had the cards, you could do something really similar to that with like a group text or Zoom. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Or make up your own answers. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you another question from Facebook. This is from Allison. And she asks, can you also cover games that only require a single player? As an only child, I was stuck playing solitaire because not much else allowed for a single player. For older and younger kids and adults who want to play a game alone too. And I know you have an only child and doing the game schooling, I assume she plays quite a few games on her own. (laughs) Yes. So one of my top recommendations is Think Fun. They have a ton of single player logic games is kind of the umbrella name you would put them under. What is so awesome about them is most, I think everyone we own anyway. So like Rush Hour, Chocolate Fix, um, Balance Beams comes with a deck of challenge cards and they're normally about 40. And so they have easy, medium, hard and super hard, meaning that that same game, my five-year-old could play it and my husband, who's almost 50, was also being challenged. So that's my top pick for single player games, because there's just so many that range for such a big age. And that makes it all really fun. 
Um, Educational Insight also makes the Canoodle line. So you have Canoodle, Canoodle Extreme, um, there's Canoodle Gravity. All of those are really, really fun. And then Smart Game has some for younger kids. And they have a really great line of travel games that are magnetic. So if you're going to, I know right now a lot of us aren't in the car, but in the future when we're all in the car again, they have a ton of great magnetic single player logic games. So you can have four or five of them in the back seat for your kids to play individually, you know, when you need them to not talk to each other. Or in my case, when you have only one and you just need her to leave you alone while you're driving. Yeah. Um, that herbaceous game which I think you also recommended to me um it can also be played as a single player which is a nice like uh set up your own little garden and there's rules and stuff that I can come check to and see how he's doing so our eight-year-old really likes that there's a lot of games like um spot it is technically meant for multiple players but a lot of them have now they probably didn't you know years ago but they also have like that single player play written into the rules. So there's options for that in many games that play multiple players as well. Spot it for one player is a great idea, actually, that I can totally see how that would work. Here's another question from Facebook from Allie. I would love game suggestions for a family of three with a 14-year-old who only likes video games. <laughs> he will play Exploding Kittens, which ends up being a game of chance with three players. We heard from a lot of people whose teenagers would only play Exploding Kittens. That game has like a stranglehold on the market. And has once in quarantine played Jenga with us and once played Mexican <laughs> Dominoes only when we agreed to play Exploding Kittens. I have suggested Catan, Azul, etc., but he has no interest. Once in a while, he'll play Speed Monopoly, where you deal out the property cards and just skip all the turns around the board. What should we do? Give up and let him spend time online with his friends? Or force him into family time and perhaps make him hate board games even more? So this is not only a question for game recommendations, but also a philosophical question. What do you do with this teenager? What do you think? Well, the first thing I would do is buy Bears vs. Babies, which is the newer game from the same makers of Exploding Kittens. So if your kid loves that, by Bears versus Babies, because they may also love that. They had mentioned that he really liked playing Speed Monopoly. So Monopoly Deal would be a good option because that's card game Monopoly. And it literally is Speed Monopoly. It goes very fast. Because they convinced him to play Jenga, Suspend would also be a fun one to play. It's kind of Jenga in reverse. So you're hanging the pieces and trying not to make them fall. I wouldn't force them, though. I mean, you kind of want family game night to be fun. So I wouldn't force it. I would suggest trying like what we do, which is, okay, everybody bring a game to the table. If his favorite is exploding kittens, that's what he's going to bring to the table. You and, you know, your spouse maybe bring one with the agreement that this is family game night. But if they really, really, really hate it, then don't do it because it's not fun for anybody then. Good advice. Even I say as someone who loves forcing my children to do things they don't like. (laughs) Got another question from Facebook. This one is from a listener who has a five-year-old girl and a two-year-old boy, and she wants to know if there are any games that kids of those uh, ages can play together without there being blood involved. Her name is Melissa, and she says that she would buy every single option. So what do you do when you have a toddler and a little kid? Uh, I'm going to go back to cooperative games again on that one, because I honestly think that not having a winner is going to be the only option for there to be no bloodshed. Those two ages, Peaceable Kingdom makes the best cooperative games. Some of the ones I would suggest for them specifically would be um, Count Your Chickens, Hoot Owl Hoot. Um, If 
I know one's a boy and one's a girl, but Mermaid Island is mermaidy, but it's still really fun. Dinosaur Escape, all of those are by Peaceable Kingdom. They're all cooperative and they're all kind of games that would work really well with a, I mean, not, you're going to have to sit down and show the two-year-old how to play as an adult once or twice, but they're they're all games that could be played with a two and a five-year-old once you've, you know, taught them how to play the game. There is a um, brand called Chuckle and Roar, and I believe, I I know they have a website, but they're sold at Target as well. Um, I'm not sure if they're on Amazon, but they have a game called Red Light, Green Light, and it's a preschool, like, racing game, and you just pick up a card. If it's a green light, you get to go. If it's a red light, you get to stop. Really simple. But my six-year-old and three-year-old will play that together, and there's, like, cones that you can set out to try to go around. So there's enough stuff going on, but it's, like, super simple, he understands the rules enough to run the game. So that has worked out for us. I can't say it never leads to fighting, though. <laughs> but bloodshed's at a minimum. Yeah, yeah, less. Yeah, but they usually play for a while. Yeah, exactly. Jessica, it's been such a pleasure to have you on here. And I know you have a ton of recommendations up on your blog, like for every age, sorted. And so if people didn't hear what they were looking for, definitely go there. And I know you're always posting your games on Instagram. I'm always feeling inspired. I also just wanted to mention if you were in a situation where maybe you can't afford to buy games right now, because we are all stuck home, I am actually have been offering and will continue to offer it until the time the world opens up again, whenever that is. I have a game night in a bag, which is a printable with 15 games that you can play with a deck of cards and just a few dice so you can go to the Dollar Tree, spend $2 and play 15 games as a family. So if that's something, you know, maybe financially you can't invest in games right now, that's always a great option as well. That's amazing. And people can find that on your website. So you can find that on my blog. It is free on thewaldockway.com. Thank you so much, Jessica. Jessica. One last thing before we move on, I'm going to throw in a plug as well for Slate's Great Cover Story published about a year and a half ago by Noel Murray, The 40 Greatest Family Games, that introduced me to a million great games. I think it might introduce readers to a bunch of good ones as well. Um, we'll also post a link to that on the show page. Well, listeners, we'll put all of our game suggestions in the show notes and on the Slate show page so you can find them. Also, email us at slate.com to let us know who you'd like to hear from in our next Everyone is Fighting Now segment. Okay, the show isn't over yet. It's time for recommendations. Dan, what do you have for us? Our kids, like many people's kids, have been slowly trying to work out what online school means for them. Here in Arlington, there's much less required of kids than I think in many jurisdictions. And so we have been hungry for other ways where we could feel like they're picking up new skills or new information or or just doing something that vaguely resembles something academic. And so we have actually signed up our kids for a couple of classes on OutSchool, which is a website which collects up experts of various stripes and allows them to teach, you know, 30-minute or hour-long Zoom classes to kids at different age levels. And I think, I believe also to adults. But we've been taking advantage of their classes for tweens and teens. And it has actually worked pretty well. And the experiences have widely varied. Some of the classes have been great. Some have been bad. Some have been funny disasters. Some of them have worked inspiringly well. But what they all have in common is that they are really cheap. And so you do not feel like you are wasting money if you pay for a creative writing class or an improv class and it doesn't quite work or the other kids in it aren't great because you only pay 10 or 15 bucks for that thing. 
And they have ended up in classes that they really liked. Harper really liked this funny thing, which wasn't even exactly a class as much as a game, but it was a online escape room in which they solved various puzzles led by a very nice woman from Britain who was like sort of teaching them things about British history and the geography of London. But really it was just like them playing a game online with their friends. But Lyra has taken creative writing classes. Needless to say, their favorite class at OutSchool that they've both taken is the one about Animal Crossing. But nevertheless, uh, we've been pretty happy with it. And if you are looking for something a little bit academic that is low pressure and low risk, you could do worse than give it a try. We also use OutSchool. We've been using it for a while with homeschool and just can't. Um, Henry takes a magic class on there that he just loves and is something I would never drive him to. So under any circumstances. Yeah. 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 Jamila, what do you have for us? Not that there is any shortage of newer television shows to watch or binge on any of the various streaming platforms that we have. And I think at this point we have every single one of them. But the other day we were struggling to come up with something to watch on TV. And I thought, you know, of a show that I grew up watching as it aired as a current television program. And have watched many times over the years in syndication. And it had, I think, an indelible impact on my humor and my wit and taught me a lot about the world. And so I recommend getting your kids, now Naima's seven, not every seven-year-old is as mature as Naima, not every parent is as permissive as me, but we have gotten started on The Golden Girls. Oh, what a great recommendation. You know, everyone loves The Golden Girls and they dealt with so many you know, serious issues from homophobia to the HIV AIDS crisis and insecurities and just so many things that came up over the course of that show. It was so progressive. I've had a few cringeworthy moments thus far, but for the most part, an incredibly progressive show. And again, like I watched this, you know, it it came on, it must've started airing when I was four or five and It was something that we watched and it helped, you know, make me witty. And I, um, Naima got into it. I was a little nervous that she wouldn't, but I I think it's a really, you know, fun show. So if you think your kids are ready for the Golden Girls, it is a delight to binge and something that hopefully won't drive you crazy and that your kids will also be into as well. I love that recommendation. It's a show that taught like a very particular generation the art of the loving, withering put-down. Absolutely. Uh, which I think is like a <laughs> crucial skill everyone should know, and you can learn it best from the Golden Girls. I definitely identified strongly with Dorothy mm. as a child. I, You know, Dorothy's wit was enviable. Blanche's life was perhaps a little bit more enviable, just as the hot girl of the group. Now that I'm an adult, I... I'm just incredibly astounded at what a great straight man Betty White is and that she could say these ridiculous things and and just be so earnest and wide-eyed. And the scary thing is that they don't look as old to me as they used to, which is a a commentary on my own life. I think when the show started, they were like 10 years older than I am now. Yeah, it, it, it shows you how differently like we looked at aging back then, even though they were leading these independent, cool, you know, everyone worked for the most part, everyone dated, everyone had a social life, you know, did various activities like bowling and stuff. But um, they were not so far in age from the Sex and the City women right. for their existences to have been so drastically different. But a surprisingly fun show for seven-year-olds, for sure. I'm a Blanche, obviously. Elizabeth, what are you recommending? 
I am recommending this little bookstore. It's a local chain in middle Georgia and it's called Got Walls Books. And they will mail you these survival packs and you fill out this little survey, tell them what you're reading or what your kids like. And for $35, they send you $50 of used books. The shipping is free. And we have done a um, adult pack for Jeff and I to get some new books and then a pack for the kids. And instead of listing books that necessarily the kids liked, I listed kind of some of the things that we were studying or covering in homeschool. And they sent us a whole bunch of just like amazing picture books and new reader chapter books, used books that are just great since we can't really get to a used bookstore or a library. And they're just adorable. They called when I filled out the form to just confirm the ages of my kids, making sure they had stuff for each of them. So they're lovely to deal with. And that's Scott Wall's books. And it's called their survival pack. That's a great recommendation. I've loved all the different ways that bookstores have been finding to keep servicing customers and keep getting books into the world. Yeah, it's nice. You know, bookstores are such a necessity, like kind of realizing that how much we we need them, even with the availability of online books, we've just really been missing the influx of books we get from the library and thrift stores and different places that we're always picking stuff up. So well, that's our show. One more time. If you have a question, email us at slate.com and join us on Facebook. Just search for Slate Parenting. Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson. For Dan Coyce and Jamila Lemieux, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.